0: Well, good morning, church. Good morning. I, uh, I hope and pray that as you came this morning, uh, you were already sitting there going, mm, it's not what I thought. Good. Um, because I think sometimes we come with expectations and thoughts of, and it's like we, we build for ourselves, God, this is who you're supposed to be to me. Instead of saying, God, reveal yourself to me. What do I need to know? What, I, I want to worship you. You are an awesome God. And so today, as we open up His Word, I just I pray that you're, we're all just listening—not to me, uh, but to Him. To Him. Uh, there's quite a few announcements, a lot of exciting stuff going on. And, and first, I, I just want to say um, thank you uh, to all of you who have been grabbing uh, these little papers out on that one table. It's got a little rock attached to it, but it's our youth mission trip, and uh, they are responsible for, for raising funds to go on this trip, and part of the funds that they're allowed to raise are going to uh, come from maybe you as a church, and you've helped with the taco fundraiser in this opportunity, so I want to say thank you. I think there's about 15 cards left out on that table, some extra prayer cards and stones as well, uh, but feel free if you want to continue support. Some of you are like, uh, I'm going to write, double check, and you know, whatever, and, and so I just Thank you. Uh, Again, we're trying to to help our our youth say, you've been serving here in this area, in this community, in this church. Now let's go. Let's get this mission field going as we go out into other places. Uh, And in a few weeks, we have a young man by the name of Jonathan Sandage. He's coming from Indiana Wesleyan University. Um, He's going to be spending 10 weeks here with us at our church, uh, doing an internship, working with the youth and their activities, leading some Bible studies. We're looking forward to his arrival uh, here in June. Um, and then there's other exciting things going on, a baptismal. Uh, we've got graduation Sunday coming on. Uh, in a few weeks, if not a month, you're going to hear about uh, something that we tried to start, initiate back in March 2020. We were about ready to make this big announcement as a church. Uh, We were growing, and it was like we're running out of room, not necessarily every Sunday morning, but um, Wednesday nights, if you're here, you know we have kids meeting in the kitchen because we don't have enough classroom space. we got kids meeting in the hallway because we don't have enough classroom space. We don't have adult education classes. If you're new to our church, you're like, how come you don't have Sunday school or adult education classes? We don't have room. So we were at a point where we were just about ready to announce, we're going to add on a little addition just over here to your right, my left, on the east side of the building here. Uh, five rooms, a nursery, a preschool, and three classrooms, and then that would open up all the other nursery and preschool classrooms uh, for adult education. We were just getting ready, excited. We had the plans ready. We had it ready to launch and share with you how we were going to do this, and the the week we got the plans back, a couple days later, we got word that there's a little pandemic going on. Everything got shut down. So as a result of that, the plans got pushed to the side. We've been praying about it. Uh, we're back to where we were and even more so in need of space. And so we're excited to share with you, hopefully in a few weeks, if not a month, uh, what these plans are and what we're thinking and to invite you to be a part of it. So there's, there's a lot going on in this church. But here's the thing. If there's no heart transformation, it doesn't matter. If we're not right with God, then all the activity we do doesn't matter. And so as much as I get excited about announcing like this is coming up and that's coming up, that's great. But if we're not allowing God to work in us, and if we're not surrendering to him, and we're not growing in our faith, then the activity doesn't matter. So I pray even more so, besides all these great things happening, um, I pray for this church, that we as a church... We're not just a Bible-believing church, but we believe in the work of God's Spirit as he, as he ministers through us. And then as we grow spiritually and He transforms our lives to become more Christ-like. That is our heart's desire here at True North. And so I, I pray that as you hear about events going on, those are great things. But even more so, may God's Spirit move through our hearts and transform us. Amen? Amen. Open up your Bibles, if you would, please, to Acts chapter 3. In Acts chapter 1, the disciples were told to go, right? They were standing there watching Jesus ascend into heaven. And they stood around watching, like, is he okay, is he coming back? What's going on? A couple of angels appeared and said, did you not hear what he said? Go back to Jerusalem. Now, I want you to go back and wait. The Holy Spirit's coming. We're gonna, you're going to get equipped. And uh, so they were like, okay, yeah, we're going we're to be God's witnesses. And, and today I sort of ask the same thing. It's like, are, are we ready to go? If that was us in that moment? Like, this is today. And are we, are we standing around looking up in the sky like, hey, you coming back, Jesus? Or are we going out equipped and empowered to, to live for him? You know, Jesus told us, he said, I came here to save you. In the book of Mark chapter 10, verse 45, he says, even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to save us. And so we know and we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord. We're saved. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, we're saved by grace, not by works. Otherwise, we'd boast about it. It's not the good things we do. It's not the projects. It's not the events. That doesn't save us. It's by the confession of our mouths and to believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord, we're saved by the grace of God. And then His Holy Spirit comes into our life and we are regenerated. We are made new from the inside out. So There's a transformation that starts. Brian did a great job last week sharing from the Acts chapter 2, then, how the church then initiated their launch into the world by, by first building up the church. I mean, they were committed to the apostles' teaching. They were committed to fellowship, sharing in meals and prayer. And then it's like, okay, we're doing all this. And it says, in all, they celebrated as there were the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And they're like getting excited because now the apostles are doing the miracles. And then there's so much more excitement. And then it says that they've met together daily and they shared what they had. And if you remember, it says, not only did they meet every day at the temple, but they met for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And man, this was great, right? It's like the church is getting built up. The church is getting equipped. And then all of a sudden we get to Acts 3 and now it's going to be the time for now we got to start moving out with this. It's, it's nice having a holy huddle, isn't it? On Sunday morning, like, oh, it's good to gather together with the church body. It's like, ah, oh, this is great, I love this. But you know, we're called not just to be here and hang out all the time. We're called to go out with what God's given us. And, and this is what's going to happen in, in uh, Acts chapter 3. We know this, that uh, his spirit, the spirit of God, came upon these disciples. And uh, when you think about this, we start reading about the Holy Spirit. and we, we, we sort of, as we've been saying, we're just going to sort of zoom over Acts. So we're not hitting everything if you, we, you probably noticed we missed the very beginning of Acts chapter 2, which is talks about Pentecost, how the Holy Spirit came. And a lot of us have questions about the Holy Spirit. I mean, okay, does the Holy Spirit, okay, is He still doing miracles? Are people speaking in tongues? Are they prophesying? Uh, are, there, are, there, are there healing uh, things going on? What's all this work with, with the thing of the Holy Spirit? And we understand this, that when Jesus was around for 40 days after his resurrection, he ascended into heaven. He told his disciples, go back and wait for me. Ten days later, the Holy Spirit came when 120 of them were in his upper room waiting. The Spirit of God came upon them. They started speaking in all these various different languages. And that moment, thats called the day of Pentecost, well, that was... Pentecost was actually the festival of the first harvests, one of three Jewish festivals that was celebrated. So there's a lot of people in town, again, for this festival, Pentecost, and that's when we see the first big movement of the Holy Spirit. It shouldn't be a surprise, although it was for the disciples, right? Like, what's going on? Jesus promised this. In the book of Luke chapter 11, verse 13, Jesus said, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? God's a good God. And He's, like, He's like, I've got a lot of great gifts. You know what one of my greatest gifts is going to be? My Spirit, I'm giving it to you. You've got to ask. And then we read in John chapter 15, Jesus was having His discussion with His disciples in that upper room, and He said, but I'm going to send you... Another is called the Advocate, which is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth. He'll come to you from the Father, and he will testify all about me. John chapter 16, Jesus goes on to say this, In fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the Holy Spirit, the Advocate, won't come. If I do go away, then I'll send him to you, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and the coming judgment." He goes on to say, verse 13, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but will tell you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever He receives from me. The Holy Spirit Spirit speaks to us. That's how God speaks to us is through His Spirit. Romans chapter 8. Verses 15-16 says this, You've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. You received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba, Father, for His Spirit joins with our Spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Church, when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you are given God's Spirit. He is in your life, transforming you. You did not receive a spirit of fearfulness. You did not receive a spirit of being timid and shy and scared. That is from the devil. God's given you a spirit, the Holy Spirit, which is powerful. But yet sometimes we don't understand that. We don't recognize that. And we're like, well, it's spirit talk, so let's not get weird on me. Let's stop, let's stop that. It's time the church sort of wakes up to this, understands the Holy Spirit is real. And there's times we gotta look the devil in the face and say, get out of here. Because he will come in that still small voice and he will try to scare you and tempt you and feed you lies and make you believe you're worthless, you're no good, I'm, I'm a failure, I'm, I'm ashamed of my life, and you need to tell the devil, no, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Therefore, no, 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 no. And no, the, God did not give me a spirit of fear, but a power and love and self-discipline. We were at a baseball game recently. And um, I don't know if it's my flesh was speaking or what was happening, but it was cold. The game was going on. It's like, okay, it, it started to drag a little bit because I don't know if you know, there's new rules in Major League Baseball and in Minor League Baseball. Now, one of the new rules in Minor League Baseball is that you can question the strikes and balls as they're pitched. So you can, if a ball comes in, I'm a bat, a ball comes in and he calls a strike, I can say, I think that was a ball. I don't want to question that call. I want to challenge that call. So they go to the headset, they put it up on the screen, and they get the little diagram of the strike zone, and they track where the ball comes in. Oh, that was a ball. All right, it's no longer uh, no balls and one, one strike, it's one ball no strike. It's like, <laughs> so it's like, really? That's, I don't like that rule. Uh, you don't even need a home plate umpire if you're going to do that all day. So here they go, they're back and forth, back, and they kept challenging, and they kept challenging. I'm going, this game is taking forever. And I was so frustrated, it started to build up in me, I guess. I don't know, I was, I was cold, I had my coffee, I'm sitting there, stay warm, stay warm, stay warm. I love baseball, but come on. And, and the, the guy challenged the call, and it was supposed to be strike three. He says, nah, I think it was a ball. So they, they challenge it up on the screen, boom, is a strike. And out of my mouth it came, sit down. Sorry. I was like... <laughs> But I was like, let's get this game going. That was a strike. You know it. I know it. But he's like, no, oh, I think it was a ball. No, it was a strike. Sit down. Uh, and it was like he was questioning the authority of the umpire who made the call in the initial, in the initial place. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Now, my son says, Dad, I didn't realize. That, that takes me back to the days of Tennessee. Remember when you yelled at those people? I wasn't yelling at those people. I just didn't like their music. And he's like, oh, but, Dad, you said, that's ridiculous. Sit down. I said, I, don't, I didn't say that's ridiculous. I just said sit down. No, that's ridiculous. I'm like, did that come out of my mouth? It might have. I don't know. But anyway, I did say, I know I said it. I was like, sit down. And it, you know what, as I did that, you know what it reminded me of? Sometimes we've got to do that to the devil. Sometimes we, we question the authority of God. And it's like the devil wants us to question the authority of God. It's like God made the call and the devil wants us to believe otherwise. And sometimes we've got to tell the devil, hey, devil, why don't you just sit down? You have no authority here. You did not, I did not receive a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and love and self discipline. And sometimes we just gotta tell the devil to shut up and sit down. And as a church, if you're if you just being cowardly, like, I don't know, we're gonna talk about the Holy Spirit stuff, then we're not being biblical. Let's be biblical. God's given us his spirit. And His Spirit allows us to stand up with, with, with boldness and courage and fight against our demonic opponent. And to be filled with God's Spirit, that's part of the Christian life. And if, if you are questioning what it means to be filled with the Spirit, we need to read more about that. And, and this is where people get weirded out by the Holy Spirit thinking, wait, so does that mean I'm going to start speaking in tongues? I'm going to start healing people and so forth and so on? Those were, those were visible acts of the Holy Spirit that we read about in the Bible, and the, especially in the book of Acts, right? But here's something else that Paul... Paul talks about in the book of Galatians. He says the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, patience, gentleness, self-control. See, so we've got all, those are fruits of the Spirit as well. You want to know if the Holy Spirit is evident in your life, then I should be seeing love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness. I should be seeing all that. When we go out into our yard, we go into the back and we see these trees that are budding and they've got leaves popping out, right? And we've got flowers budding. But I'm looking at all our trees. We have one tree that has no leaves on it. We've called it the Lazarus tree, okay? Here's why. About a month from now, it will finally have leaves on it. It looks dead. All the other trees around it, leaves, leaves, beautiful leaves, beautiful leaves, and our one tree is just dead. But a month from now, there'll be leaves on it. That's why we called it the Lazarus tree, okay? But here's the thing. I know these trees are alive because of the leaves, because of the fruit that it bears, As a Christian, when we look out and see the congregation here, my question is, are we alive in Christ or not? If we are alive in Christ, there should be fruit. There should be love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness. And here's the thing, it's like the Holy Spirit in me, it's like, well, I want to speak in tongues. I want to heal people. That's, That's fine. If God chooses to work through you with his spirit to provide that kind of Holy Spirit work, praise God. But here's the thing, if you have no love in you, you have no joy in you, I don't care if you can speak in tongues. I don't care if you can heal somebody if you have no love in you because I believe it's the love of God that empowers us to begin with. It is that spirit that should be showing all these incredible fruits of the spirit. I think we should be longing for those kind of fruits to be more evident than anything else. And it's not about you wielding power to look powerful and mighty in front of people. It's about being obedient to God's spirit. God, what do you want me to do? How do you want to work through me? How do you want to serve through me? How, how I'm here to serve you, God. And so his spirit works through us and is it in those fruits in various places. I've gotten way off track. Where are we at? Okay, so we get to Acts chapter 3. And we witness this very first miracle that's recorded. Remember Acts 2, 43, um, where it said, A deep sense of all came over them all. And the apostles performed all these miracles and incredible wonders. And so it's like, well, like what? What miracles? Tell us about it. So Acts 3, here we go. This is a very important one. I don't know why this one is listed, uh, why, why some of the others weren't. I believe this one was listed because of, as a result of this miracle, Peter and John have to go before the government. And there's, this, first of all, he has a huge crowd. He preaches an incredible sermon. And then after this next incredible sermon, they take him before uh, the authorities, which leads to then ultimately the persecution of the church. Christianity becomes under fire after this. And so all the Christians then are now trying to get out of Jerusalem and get out of... And that's how the gospel spread. Because of pain and suffering, the church had to disperse. But as they went, they took the good news with them onto all these other places. So maybe that's why this particular miracle is listed. And let's examine this incredible miracle. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. It says here, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in a three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man, laying from birth, was being carried in each day. He was put beside the temple gate, the one called Beautiful Gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. So here's Peter and John, both commissioned by Jesus, recognized by the early church as being apostles. Some of them are like, wait, weren't they disciples? Now they're apostles. So the disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ. An apostle is one who has witnessed what Christ's resurrection, now he's an ambassador, he's going out with the message. I'm growing, I'm learning, I'm a disciple, but now I'm going to go tell everybody. And they became ambassadors, they became apostles. If that maybe helps you understand the difference and why the name changed. There's more to it, but that's mainly um, to help you understand. Peter and John basically understand this. As we were once followers of Christ, now we're ambassadors of Christ. We're still going to do a lot of what the Jewish people did. We're going to meet at different times at the temple and pray. So they go to the temple at 3 o'clock in the afternoon to pray. As they are going there, they're going to enter by this gate called the Beautiful Gate. There were 10 gates. This particular one was called the Beautiful One. It stood out from all the other nine. As one historian said, Josephus, he said this, It was made of fine brass, 75 feet high, double doors, so beautiful that it greatly excelled those that were only covered with silver and gold. I mean, there's little debate about, like, was this the gate that everybody went through? For the most part, yes. If you're going to go into the temple, you can go in any of those 10 gates, but this is the one you really wanted to walk through. It's just beautiful. It's incredible, right? And as you're reading this story about a beautiful gate, notice the the stark uh, backdrop, the, the change here. At this beautiful gate was a lame man from birth. Lame man. By the way, lame, you might as well just say it's shameful. Oh, he's lame. Somebody screwed up in his life. He must have sinned or his parents sinned. Because that's what religious believers often thought back in biblical time. If you had something wrong with you, you're struggling with something in your life, you've got sin in your life. That's why. Or maybe somebody in your family's got sin in their life. That's why you are. And it sounds almost like superstitious, right? But that's what it was. So when you look at this lame man, he must be a sinner. His parents must be a sinner because he was this way since birth. So that's really shameful and actually sort of unclean. So let's not get near him. And look where he's located at this beautiful gate. What a stark contrast, isn't it? He was not considered having a beautiful life. He was probably an eyesore to many, right? All he wanted was to be supported in the condition he was. He wasn't looking for healing. He didn't want to get better. It, maybe he wanted to get better, but now after, at the age 40, which we learned later in the book of Acts, he's like, just, I just don't want to starve. So every day it says somebody had to bring him. He had to use dependent on somebody. He had to be brought to the temple, sat down, picked up at the end of the day, taken home. Prime location here, right? Oh, here's one more thing about this prime location. The Jewish people often believe too, like, you want to get good with God? Then give. Take care of the poor. Give to those in need. Oh, especially like these guys here, these beggars. This will make you look really righteous. That was pretty smart of this guy. I'm going to park myself at a spot where all these religious people who are supposed to give are going to walk by me and they're going to to feel a little guilty if they don't give to me. Good location, right? He was hoping to get something, but he had no idea what he was about ready to get, right? Go back into the book of Acts, chapter 3, verse 3. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money, right? But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Now, We all know what this scene sort of looks like. If you've been to Toledo, you've been to a big city, you're driving in your car, you come up to an intersection, you see that person that's on the corner. They've got that cardboard piece needing a job, needing help, needing something. You know, who knows what it is. They've got maybe their belongings at their feet and as you're pulling up all of us act differently. Some of us pull up and we're like oh the light's green, stay green, stay green I don't want to stop at the corner, yellow, red. Don't look at them. Don't make eye contact with them. Eye straightforward, because that's the way some of us are. We do not want to deal with that which is off to our side, that which is hurting, that which is... Because we're sitting there questioning, is this a scam or is it real? Well, I've heard stories. And what are they going to do? If I give them money, what are they going to do with the money? Let's see, I've got a, I've got a water bottle. Here you go, have a water bottle. I'm not giving you eye contact, right? Everybody approaches it differently because we think differently about this situation. Many years ago, when we went to Washington, D.C. on a, on a trip... We were downtown and there's a lot of homeless people. Um, and one afternoon I had to go um, out and get something. So I, I ran down to the church van to grab it. And I ran to this homeless man and he wanted money. So I was like, Well, what do you need the money for? I figured I'm going to ask. He goes, Well, I'm hungry. I need some food. I said, There's McDonald's right there. Let's go cool. I'll, I'll buy you a meal. What's your name? Nolan. Uh, How do I remember Nolan? I think. I'm not, I'm not the greatest with names, and a lot of you know that, right? So I forget names often, and, but it's like, no, right away I thought, do not forget this man's name because he needs to know he's loved. Uh, Nolan. Nolan Ryan's a famous baseball pitcher. I'll just pretend he's a baseball pitcher whatever. And so that's how it stuck with me. We went to McDonald's. We're sitting there. It's like, um, have you ever gone to a shelter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Do you have family? Well, I've got a daughter, um, but we're not getting along. And I said, have you ever gone to a church? I tried that once. Went up to the steps of this church, and these guys were in nice suits at the door, and they wouldn't let me in because of how I was dressed. I was like, that's a shame. You should never be treated like that. And we talked a little bit more and and, um, bought him some more food to go and and wished him well. And the next day, I'm out again, this time with a bunch of the kids in the youth group. and, And over on the other side of the street, I see Nolan. So the first thing is like, what? Hey, Nolan. You know, like, he's like, like, you remember me? He's like, yeah, you're the baseball guy. That's how I remember. Um, but, you know, he's like, okay. And as soon as I get done waiting to them, basically I run into another person and they were like asking for money too. So my question was, what do you need your money for? They said, oh, I need, a, I need a couple shirts. Oh, there's <laughs> a shirt vendor right here. Come on. And they're like, uh, no. And they took off. And It's like, Okay so you didn't want money for sure it's money for something else. so it's like a lot of us have different opinions about how to take care of those who are in need right we got to figure out how do we do this well as we're looking at this man he's sitting there prime position waiting and Peter and John are like yeah let's do something prompted by god's spirit i believe peter's like stops is like hey look at us can you imagine this guy's heart i mean he's like ching yes not only did they give me eye contact, they want me to look at them because they probably want me to see them put a lot of money in my cup or whatever he had. And he's like, then out of Peter's mouth, silver and gold I do not have. Oh, can you imagine now this guy's heart, boom, sunk, right? But what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus of Nazarene. Get up and walk. And it's like, what you think about this moment, how incredible that was. And, and, and because Peter and John knew what he really needed. He just didn't need something to fill his belly or support his life. He needed to be able to be restored. See, a lot of times at our food pantry, we'll have people come in and, yeah, let's, let's bless people. Let's feed people, right? That's what we do at this church. We feed people. But what if somebody comes in and says, hey, I'm looking for gas cars and prime rib." Well, you can come in, we'll give you what we have here. But very simply what we do is we we have to look them in the eye and say, hey, silver and gold, we do not have. But what we do have, we give you the name of Jesus Christ. In other words, I may not be able to meet all your physical needs, but I want to share with you the redemptive work of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and what he can do for you in here. Because that's really what people need, more so than anything. And Peter was given the power to do what, what he did through the, through the work of of, of the Holy Spirit, because Peter's life has already been transformed by Jesus. He's got the Holy Spirit. And now it's like, I want to share this with you. I want your life to be transformed too. Look at verse 7. Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up. He stood up on his feet. He began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. Verse nine: All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in announcement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. I mean, this wasn't some kind of uh, promotional thing that Peter was doing. Um, it was a prompting of the Holy Spirit. It was the faith of Peter saying, "I believe I'm supposed to reach out and help this man." And so being obedient to God's spirit comes the first part on, that we need to be attentive to. But then he reaches out to this man, and it says the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed. The, Luke does an incredible job. You're going to look for these words feet and ankle bones in the Greek, and you will find them nowhere else in the New Testament. But in this story alone, it's like Luke is like, yeah, you guys all know I'm a physician, right? So let me tell you, some things took place in this human body that I cannot, uh, I cannot explain, except that it was, it was a miracle. And he, and he pushed that out there. And, and, and you think about this. Can you imagine the atrophy in these, these man's legs? He was born lame, so he's never walked, right? And if you've ever had a broken bone and you take the cast off and you, your muscles have, have atrophy, they've shrunk and they're, they're weak and you've got to do physical therapy and you've got to get the strength. But can you imagine for 40 years never walking? I, if he's never walked, does he even know how to walk? Does he know how to jump? But he would, as Peter reached out, took him by the hand, Pulled him up. He jumped up and he like, he jumped, he leaped, he praised God. He did a Holy Spirit jig, right? This guy was fired up. He was excited. There was an instant healing that took place. And as soon as he was healed, he did three things. First of all, um, he did what God gave him the ability to do. Walk, leap, jump. And then he went with Peter and John to the temple. It's like, okay, I want to learn more from you guys. I want to learn more about your God. And then he went into the temple and he praised God. When God does something mighty in your hand or mighty in your life, what do you do with that? You celebrate. And you learn more and you pursue God and you give him all the praise. And and, and there's evidence here. Now, as we go through this, here's another thought. This man was more than 40 years old, or around 40 years old according to Acts. He's been at this temple gate, it says, each day he was brought there. You know who else showed up at the temple in Scripture? Jesus. I, I wonder, I don't know, but I wonder. This is the beautiful gate. This is the gate that like, everybody wanted to go through. So if this man was at that gate for, for however many years and years and years, and especially in his last few years when Jesus was doing ministry, would he not, could he not have been sitting there when Jesus and his disciples had walked by at some point in time? I think there's a very good chance that could have happened. That we don't know for sure, but if Jesus was in the temple and this man was at the gate of the temple every day, I'm, I think there's a good guess. My question is this. If that is so, why did not Jesus heal him on that moment? Aren't those kind of questions we sometimes ask as Christians? Hey, God, why, why, why didn't you heal my kid? Why aren't you taking care of this in my life right now? I've got a problem. I've got a situation, God, that you can take care of right now if you wanted to. Why are you not doing that? Why, why was it years later when this finally came to fruition? Why, God, why? Do, do, we, not, do we not ask those kind of questions sometimes? And maybe that lame man was like, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. I've heard of that name. Matter of fact, I, I, I think I've seen him walk by here. How come he didn't do it? Do you think the lame man complained about that? I don't think so. I think he was excited to be healed. And he praised God. And I don't know why God heals certain people at certain times and doesn't heal people at other times, but restores new lives at other times. I don't know why, but I know this. I've tried to manipulate God. Hey, God, you know, if you would just heal my son, I'll give you all the praise. As if God goes, oh, you'll give me the praise? In that case, I'll heal your son. Wouldn't that be great? But God knows he is God. I am not. I cannot manipulate God. If God chooses to do healing or or helping people through situations at certain times, he will do so on his timing. The timing for this was a perfect time. The lame man what have thought a couple years earlier would have been nice, but this was the perfect time because here's the thing, Christianity wasn't ready to be spread, but because of this lame man being healed in this moment, he would come before the authorities, and because of the, what was going to take place in the next couple of chapters, the church would now spread out. It would not have happened that way. Could God have used a different person? Probably could have, but this is how the story goes. See, we, we can never see the ending of the story. We're just in the middle of it, and we always get critical of God, not knowing the end of the story. we got to trust God for the end of the story. So as I think about this scripture, that's one of the things that really pops in my mind. And here's the last thing, and, and that is this. What is it that we really need? I, as this lame man was sitting there, what did he really need? Healing, right? What was he asking for? Support. But not healing. And a lot of times in our lives, I believe, as Christians, we are seeking, we are searching for something. We all want to be loved. We all want to feel secure. We all want to be known and loved. And, and a few weeks ago on Wednesday night at, uh, at Tupac, the high school youth group, Sarah Hudson spoke, sharing a story about Hagar and wanting to be seen, wanting to be known. And it was like we all long for that. We want... We want others to know that we're here or that what we're going through in our life. We want God to, to be able to say, hey, God, you see what's going on in my life? See, there's, there's all these things that we, I, I believe, we're searching for and we're seeking. And it's like, what is it that we really need? Peter and John walk up to him and say, I, I know what you want. But in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you what you need. And I believe, church, that we have some incredible spiritual needs in this church that only God can give and to you to help you with. And, and the question is, are you asking him for that help? And are you willing to be like Peter? You, it's like, I believe in Jesus. Ah, my faith is growing. That's great. Who have you? reached out to and say, hey, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus. And I'm not talking about necessarily a healing power, but the ability to help people who have been knocked down and say, you look like you're hurting. I want to show you the love of God, and I want to help you back up on your feet. I want to give you some advice. I want to encourage you. How can, how can, I, just, can I just sit with you? You know, um, a lot of times as I work with, with ball teams, and actually, worship team, would you come on up, please? I work with a lot of sport teams. And when I'm working with these sport teams, I do team-building exercises with them and, and give them some challenges, build on their character. And it, it's all fun. I, and it's, it's good, and it, it leads to a higher cause of what we're trying to do in building a relationship with them so I can share Jesus with them. But as I do, I've, I've often had to tell jokingly to some teams... And I had this gold coin and it has FCA on it and it has um, uh, a scripture on it. And, and I felt I that and I said, You know, silver and gold I do not have. But what I give to you, I give to you in the name of Jesus. I, wins and losses I can't give you. My, my talks with you today as a team doesn't mean you're going to win your next game or, or you're going to get out of your slump or, or you're going to go, you know, I'm, I'm not your good luck charm. I, silver and gold, wins, losses, whatever. Maybe I do not have, but what I give to you, I give to you in the name of Jesus. I want you to know there's a God who loves you, that you have value and you have worth, and that you are worth dying for, and that Jesus died for you. That's what I can give you. We were at a baseball game the other night, church. Just the first year uh, without us having kids in high school or middle school or elementary. I mean, it's like we're not quite empty nesters, not yet, but but we have no kids in high school, so it's like, hey, you want to go watch a ball game? Yeah, we can go to any game we want. I mean, we'd always go to our kids' games. Now we can go to any, any kids' games if we want. So we went to watch a, a, a team, that I, one of the teams that I'm working with. So we pull up, and, and I get in the, we go to the stands, and I'm like, looking around. I'm like, okay, um, I'm not sure where to sit because I don't know whose bleacher this is. You know what I'm saying? I might be sitting down, and so-and-so might show up. It's like, oh, that's my spot. You know, I, I don't know. This is this is your home field. I've never come to your game before. Sat on this this bench. So, you know, we get on the stands. I'm looking at this crowd of people. And say, um, is it okay if we sit here? We're to watch the game. I don't know if there's anybody's seats. And then I quickly threw, in, we're we're not for the other team. We're, we're here to cheer you guys on. They're like, oh yeah 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 yeah. And they said, well, where are you from? And I said well, I work with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and I work with these guys on a weekly basis. Oh yeah, our kids talk about you. They, they enjoy what you do. Oh, okay, thanks. So we sat down, we watched the game, right? Um, it, was a, it was a very important game for them. They, they had to win and it was, well, they won. So as we're leaving, some of the parents look at us and they said, hey, thanks for coming. You're a good luck charm. You gonna come next week? <laughs> it's like, so much of me wanted to say, silver and gold I do not have, Right. Wins and losses I do not have. But what I give to you, I give to you in the name of Jesus. And, and, and church, I, I just want to help you understand this. Having received God's Holy Spirit, when you confess to your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ Lord, having received God's Spirit, you have that transforming work going on in you. We're just like Peter and John walking around looking for those who are down right now and saying, hey, I, I don't have what you want, but I got what you need. And are you willing to reach out? Are you willing to reach out? Let's would you stand, please. Having received God's transforming Spirit, let's be more celebrative. Let's let's praise God for the work that He's doing. Heavenly Father, I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. God, we are we're not junk. We're not alone. Um, we're we're not abandoned. We're we're not um, full of shame. We're we're not fearful. God, all those things, that's not us. By your Holy Spirit, your transforming Holy Spirit that's at work in us, we are so much more. And you've equipped us and empowered us, God, to go out into this world to find those who are struggling, those who are hurting, and say, hey, I, I maybe don't have what you want, but I have what you need. God, give us the the courage and the strength and the boldness to be able to to reach out to others. And maybe if we're the ones right now on the ground, maybe we're the ones right now that are searching and seeking, God, I pray right now that we just reach up to you. Say, God, pick me up. Forgive me. The first thing we need is the forgiveness of sins and then the freedom, the freedom to live a, a righteous life. So Lord, heal us first in our hearts. Lord, help us then to get up on our feet and to go and share the good news. Help us to celebrate what you are doing. God, I thank you so much for your word. We sing to you now in thy name we pray, amen.